Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Wealth of Knowledge podcast. I'm your host, Antonio Barbera, and I'm so excited to have you with us as we kick off what is sure to be an exciting series of weekly podcasts on financial advice. Today on the show, we'll be discussing the importance of credit, how to build credit, as well as picking the right credit card and using it effectively and responsibly. Co-hosting with me this week is Susanna Snyder, personal finance editor here at U.S. News, who covers a range of topics from banking and credit to savings and student loans. Thanks for joining us, Susanna. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be on this inaugural voyage with you guys. Our guest for this show is Beverly Harzog. Beverly is a nationally recognized personal finance and credit card expert for U.S. News. Her expert advice has been featured in thousands of media outlets, including TV, radio, print, and major websites. She's also the best-selling and award-winning author of five personal finance books. Her most recent book is The Debt Escape Plan, How to Free Yourself from Credit Card Balances, Boost Your Credit Score, and Live Debt-Free. Thank you for being here, Beverly. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited about this. So before we dive into credit and credit cards, Beverly, I understand your book, The Debt Escape Plan, is based somewhat off of personal experience. Can you talk about the inspiration for writing the book? Sure, Antonio, I'd love to. Uh, when I got the inspiration for the debt escape plan, I was thinking back to when I was in debt in my 20s. I was in credit card debt. I had debt over seven credit cards. And basically, all of my credit got cut off. I was trying to buy a pair of Ralph Lauren jeans one night, and my very last credit card was declined. And I'm like, okay, I have hit my rock bottom. So I started learning about personal finance. I was actually a CPA at the time, which is kind of ironic, but I really didn't understand personal finance. So I started learning about it and uh, got a budget, started tracking my spending, and I had about $21,000 in debt, and I got out of it in two years. So in my book, I highlight you know, some of the methods that I used for that, and I help people come up with a customized plan for their own debt escape. Well, that sounds really interesting. Uh, so one of the first things I want to go over then quickly is sort of a broad definition of credit. Uh, so much of American life and financial success is sort of based off of our system of maintaining and demonstrating good credit to lenders in order to make purchases, whether they be a house, a car, a student loan, anything sort of that we can't afford to pay for in cash today. Uh, what else do consumers need to know about credit starting out? You know, one thing I think that is really important is that, you know, there's a lot of information out there that says, you know, maybe you don't need a credit score, <laughs> but you actually do. This is very important. Um, and I'm not saying the credit cards for everyone because there actually are some people that probably should not use credit cards. But there are all different kinds of ways to build credit, like such as a credit building loan, that sort of thing. But it's just important because a high credit score can help you save in many areas of your life. Uh, it can help you save money on health insurance, car insurance. You'll get better mortgage rates. That alone will help you save help save you thousands of dollars. So, you know, I, I think it's very important and something that people should keep in mind, no matter what type of credit they think they'd like to use. And so, uh, a a buzz phrase that we often hear for maintaining good credit is the debt utilization ratio. The concept of sort of mm -hmm. spending no more than 30% of the total credit that's offered by a lender. I've seen that as sort of the holy grail, and then I've also heard that as a myth, that that's sort of a number that people use that they may not necessarily need to. Uh, so sort of what are your thoughts on that 30% number? Well, well, I think... Oh, oh go ahead, Susanna. <laughs> 
for it's definitely something that I've seen as an important part in maintaining good credit health. Um, I don't know if you've seen that as well, Beverly, but you know, another important thing and maybe even perhaps more important than your credit utilization ratio is making on-time credit card payments. So really, really the first thing before you even start thinking about, okay, you know, how can I make sure I'm not maxing out my credit card every month is, am I even paying it on time? And then you can kind of start getting into some of those numbers. But um, while, you know, I've seen it as something that is important to track before you even get to that point, you know, uh, make sure you're at least paying your bills. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that too badly. I agree with Susanna. That's a fantastic point. You know, the foundation of great credit is to pay all of your bills on time and also to have a budget in place and, and be able to track your spending so that you stay out of debt. Uh, as far as the 30% goes, um, you know, I think that that's a guideline. You know, when it comes to credit, a lot of things are guidelines because, you know, it's uh, so much depends on the specifics in your credit report and your and, uh, you know, whatever the line items are and just the, the individual details in your credit report. Um, but I think if you're trying to boost your score in a hurry, uh, keeping it below 10% is um, sort of a, a, an insider secret here. <laughs> uh, you can really boost it in a hurry if you do that. You can maximize that part of the FICO score. That's a good As advice. long as you're paying your bills on time, just as Susanna <laughs> said. Of course. Actually, I have a question for you, Beverly. I mean, have you mm -hmm. seen people have success calling up their credit card issuer and asking to raise their credit card, um, you know, limits so that they can improve mm -hmm. credit utilization? Is that a viable strategy? Yeah, that's a great question, Susanna. It is a viable strategy, and I've seen it succeed many times, but only with people who have an excellent payment history. So if you're, you know, a stellar credit card holder, a great customer for that credit card issuer, uh, you know, it. You know, go ahead, make the phone call, uh, but have a plan in place. If this is just to increase, uh, to decrease your credit utilization ratio, that's okay. But don't spend that extra money. So I think that you know you have to look at your motives when you're going to ask for credit limit increase. Now, if this can backfire. Okay, I know someone who was made. You know, he was very sloppy with payment history. He called and they actually lowered his limit. Uh, so uh, it can backfire if you are not in good shape, if you're not really, really credit worthy. So, you know, it works, but you know, there's a cautionary tale there, too. So, so now just sort of in broad terms of, of credit, I, I see people in three categories. I see young people who haven't built up any credit history. Uh, I see people who have built credit and then had problems with debt and are now trying to work their way back. And then people who have carefully built credit and worked hard to keep their score high. Am, am I missing any one of those three groups sort of before I go, before I move forward? Well, I think you've got the, um, you know, you've got some good categories there. Uh, you know, there is a group of people who, you know, and sometimes you can have uh, a low credit score in the pre-building because some catastrophic event has occurred. Uh, the credit card industry refers to these as fallen angels, you know, because they really are you know, great credit card holders, but, you know, perhaps during the recession, you know, things turned around for them, you know, or even now, you know, you can still lose your job or, uh, you know, get a medical diagnosis, you know, that throws you into a financial tailspin, uh, you know, things like that happen. So, you know, I, I like the categories you have, but just remember, there are always a lot of gray areas, you know, with anything that has to do with credit. And, you know, sometimes people don't fit neatly into each one. Of course, of course. Uh, so but let's start with that first group. 
these young people who haven't built up any credit history, uh, they're likely going to struggle to get a credit card if they don't have sort of any, uh, if they're not able to demonstrate in any way that they have good credit. So what can they do to sort of build credit when they have very little to show for it at first? Are we talking about specific um, college students, did you say? Sure, we could talk about, be it or millennials or college students, young In people general. who have sort of not been able to demonstrate strong credit history yet, and what can they do to sort of begin mm -hmm. demonstrating that, whether it be a specific credit card or a specific way that they mm -hmm. make purchases? Okay, I just wanted to differentiate there, because if they are in college, that student credit cards are an option, uh, and the issuers are a little more relaxed because they, you know, when they approve someone because they know that they have limited credit history. So that's an option for college students. You have to actually be in college when you apply for this card and get it. Uh, for others, there are, there are several options. There are secured credit cards. Uh, there are some nightmare cards out there in that category, but there are also very good ones um, that I've looked very carefully at. Uh, you could also be an authorized user on someone else's credit. Let's say, for example, if you have um, you know, a parent uh, with great credit, you might be able to be an authorized user on their credit card. Uh, and I mentioned credit builder loans earlier. That's, that's an option if you don't want to go the credit card route, if you don't feel you're ready for that. Uh, so those are just a couple of options you know, that, uh, to help you get your feet wet. And if you're newly graduated and you have a, an excellent salary, uh, sometimes these issuers will take a chance on you. You, you won't get a, a good interest rate. <laughs> so just keep that in mind, that you're going to have to budget and track your spending and, and not carry a balance. So I, I do want to follow up on one point with that quickly, and then I'll, I'll come to you, Susanna. Sure. The, the sort of the concept of adding yourself to maybe a parent's credit card, that mm -hmm. works for the time being. But usually if you mm -hmm. sort of close an account or are removed from an account, that can that can harm your credit score. So would this be something where you would stay on your parents' card for you know five to ten years, or how how long is the the sort of no. period there to where when you removed yourself it wouldn't harm your credit mm -hmm. score? You know, it's not going to harm your credit score very much, and if it does, it'll just be temporary. Uh, you know, uh, the being an authorized user is sort of like your credit card on training wheels. <laughs> you know, you get uh, you know you get to kind of piggyback on their credit. Uh, assuming they have great credit. Uh, so it's just sort of a way to, you know, take advantage of that. Now, the credit scores, there are many credit scores, not just FICO scores, and some of them weigh that a little bit differently. But, no, you don't have to stay on your parents' credit card for the rest of your life. Um, you know, once you establish your credit uh, and you feel comfortable and you're developing a credit history, you could just, you know, you can be removed from that. Or you can just stay on that if you want and just not use that credit card. But keep in mind that if your parent suddenly starts having credit problems, that can impact you. So, you know, you have to stay on top of things. So if you've got a, if you're an authorized user, you want to be sure things are, are good on the other end of that on your parents' end. Sure. One that um, we maybe didn't discuss, and I'm curious about really what you think about this would be, a store credit card, a retail credit card. I know there's certain department stores that I go into and like they want to block the doors if I won't sign up for their credit card before I leave. <laughs> so, I mean, is that viable if you're, you know, just starting out mm -hmm. trying to build credit or is that maybe not the best way to do it? 
You know, that, that is a great question. And with the holidays coming up, you know, retailers are going to get really intense about telling you you can save 30% right now if you get that credit card. Uh, you know, my advice is that, yes, a retail card uh, can't help your credit when you're starting out. You're going to have a very low credit limit and probably a very high APR. So you can use this for a little while. It, you know, just be sure that you pay your bill in full and on time. You can't carry balance with these cards. And what I recommend is if you want to do something like this, okay, let's say it's a card that is going to give you great rewards, uh, research the card online before you go to the store. You know, you know you're going to shop at this store during the holidays and they're going to ask you this question. You really think you might like the card. You know, you should never, ever say, yes, I'll take this credit card without reading the fine print. I mean, you don't know what you're getting into. So if you want to take advantage of, you know, a big discount or future rewards, getting notifications, things like that, then, you know, go ahead, but research ahead of time and be sure it's a card that you're going to like really profit from and uh, that you will not carry a balance and it can help you if you, if you handle it carefully. That's great advice. I'm definitely not a fan of making impulsive financial decisions at a cash <laughs> register and try to avoid that in my own life. So researching online is, that's wonderful advice. I think that really helps. <laughs> And so now I want to talk about payments. We've sort of touched on it a little bit already, but most people think missing a credit card payment either isn't a big deal or they think it's the end of the world and their finances are, are never going to recover ever and they might as well just stop using credit cards altogether. I assume the <laughs> impact falls somewhere in between those two extremes. So sort of what, what message would you give to people uh, obviously, if, if it's before missing a payment, you would say try not to miss a payment. But what would you say to those people who have sort of they've already uh, they've already crossed that bridge? Mm -hmm. You know, um, yeah. Sometimes people think that that's not a big deal, uh, but it can become a big deal. <laughs> so when it happens, as soon as it happens, call your issuer right away, okay, and see if uh, you can get them first. You know, if you've got a good excuse, uh, see if you can have the late fee removed and see if you could prevent them from reporting it to the bureaus. Now, they usually won't do that until you're about 60 days late, uh, but uh, that's not really a law. They can do it earlier. I wouldn't take that chance. Uh, I've talked with many people over the years who have had great success, uh, you know, calling their issuer and explaining what happened. Because sometimes, you know, you're just going through a crisis or, you know, if it's just a one-time thing, your chances are very good that they're going to help you out. Uh, especially if you've got great credit. So jump on it immediately. And if you don't, I mean, that thing can spiral into a collection account. So you don't want to go there because then it really will wreck your credit. And if the late payment gets reported to the bureaus, the better your credit, the bigger your fall is going to be. So it really is a big deal. So pay attention to your, your payments and do what it takes to pay them on time. And if you slip up, jump on it right away to fix it. So now we've sort of spoken about young people, students, millennials who haven't built up any credit history. So now let's move into this second group, people who have built credit and then had problems with debt, now trying to sort of fix that. So for these people whose credit score isn't doing so well or their credit practices aren't, aren't the best, what are some of the biggest debt mistakes that people make and that you see and how can they overcome them in the short term, in the long term? You know, I would say the biggest mistake I see <laughs> is pretending it doesn't exist. <laughs> Being in credit card denial, I call this head and sand syndrome. You know, and it's it's scary. You know, being in debt is painful. It's frightening. 
Uh, sometimes you feel like you're drowning if it's really, really bad. So I, I think the number one thing is letting it go on too long. Uh, so you have to jump on things, you know, just like you do the delay payment. Uh, there are several ways to, to approach this. Uh, some of the options depend on how good your credit is. If you still have excellent credit, you probably have more options. If you don't, your options are just a little more limited. You can pay it off yourself either with the Avalanche plan, where you start with the highest APR and go down, or you can start with Snowball, the smallest balance. Uh, you pay more money that way, more interest. Many people like that quick hit you get from paying off the first balance. Um, I talked about something in my book. I sort of created the debt blizzard, and this is where you pay the smallest balance first to get that quick hit, and then you switch to the highest APR so you save more money that way. So for somebody who's rebuilding and has debt, uh, you know, choosing one of these strategies, uh, really sticking to it because it could take some time, uh, is, is the best way to pay down your debt. Uh, you can look at debt consolidation, of course, um, but, you know, it, it depends on if you're paying such a high APR on your credit cards and you look at debt consolidation, you might be able to get a better interest rate even if you don't have great credit. So you want to explore all your options when you're in this situation. But the most important thing is face it. I like to call it staring down your debt. It's there. You've got to take care of it. And everything's going to be okay if you just get moving. Su Susanna, have you seen uh, any big debt mistakes, either from sources and stories you've written or, or just sort of general themes in spending, <laughs> spending practices in the U.S.? <laughs> Absolutely. As Beverly was saying before, ignoring it or pretending like it'll just go away is probably the biggest and easiest mistake I see. Once you sort of try and get your arms around it and think about what you can do to pay it off, you're already ahead of the curve. Um, you know, there is a snowball method, which has to do with paying off the smallest at first, just to kind of get that that high, that feeling of accomplishment. And you know, as, as Beverly was saying, it's not the most sort of cash effective way to pay off debt. You really want to try and go with high interest debt first. So, you know, think about being as practical as you can when you're paying off debt, and um, you know, do what you can to do what works, but also you know, don't start paying off some really, really, really low interest debt just because it feels good. Um, so yeah, that's what I've seen. So, so you both have sort of touched on this already. I'm not going to ask for sort of the, the, the magic secret answer, but how can someone give their credit score a quick boost if they need to go from one number to another number somewhat quickly, maybe to get approved for a loan, maybe they're just below that 720 number that they've been shooting for for a long time. So what are sort of, does that, do you, either of you have uh, suggestions for sort of, I hate, I hate to say quick fixes because that's never the solution <laughs> with your finances, but sort of quick ways to boost a credit score. A little bit. Yeah, right. And you know, also it depends on some of these things you know, I can suggest might work for one person, but maybe not for another, depending on what else is in their credit report. But just in general, uh, I mentioned earlier, keeping your uh, uh, credit utilization ratio below 10%, that can help greatly. Uh, if you start paying down some of the balances and you get your credit utilization to come down a little, that can help. And as Susanna mentioned earlier, calling your credit card issuer and asking for a higher limit, that can help your debt utilization ratio. Uh, you know, none of these things are instantaneous, but over the course of uh, a, a month, you know, this could have an impact. If you stop using your credit cards and don't add to any kind of debt you already have, uh, yeah, I need to like really repeat that. Don't use your credit cards if you're in debt. Just stop using your cards. Yeah, I don't, it's 
quick is tough with anything credit related. It's always hard to have like an instant reaction after making a change. Um, something else if somebody is thinking about taking on um, new debt and they want to improve their their credit score. This happened to me. I moved to a new town. I opened up a bank account and I knew we were going to apply for a mortgage. And the new bank was saying, well, do you want to open up a credit card? Do you want to apply for all this new debt with us? And so don't, you know, don't do that if you're thinking you're going to be taking on new debt. Don't apply unnecessarily for a new credit card. Don't start taking on debt you don't need just because somebody's trying to sell it to you. Really think about freezing any of those activities until you're going for that debt that you really had on your schedule, if that makes sense. So now I want to get into credit cards a little bit more specifically. So let's start with the college student or millennial who's getting their first credit card. I use millennial. It could be people even younger. I, I think I'm dating myself already as a millennial. But what are some specific steps that those people should take before applying for a credit card, for their first credit card? Should they be moving money in certain places? Should they be avoiding spending money in certain ways? Should they write down 20 times that they're going to pay everything on time? Uh, <laughs> sort of what are some, some important steps for those, those people to take? Okay, I like the idea of writing down, I'm going to pay everything yeah. on time 20 times, but maybe 100 times, <laughs> just, to, just to make sure it sticks. Uh, you know, one thing uh, that they should start with is check on their annual credit report. You can get these for free, okay, from the three major credit bureaus, and they need to just take a look at their credit report and see what's there. You know, some people, when they're in college, have already been authorized users on their parents, um, you know, and by the time they graduate, uh, you know, if you pay your student loans on time, that starts to help you build credit, too. That goes into your mix of credit. So, um, you know, if you've got a car, you know, pay your installment loan on time. That helps. Uh, and I already mentioned, uh, you know, getting a, a student credit card. Uh, my daughter did this. And when she graduated, she got um, promoted <laughs> to the unsecured version of that credit card. So there are a couple of issues out there that are very good about helping college students and you know, most issuers these days, they want to get them young, you know, so if you show some promise and have a good salary, you know, they might take a chance on you. Uh, and they want to keep you for the lifetime because it's so much cheaper to keep someone than it is to bring on a new customer. So they do have incentive to help young people and, um, you know, create a lifetime relationship with them. So I would say, you know, to take a look at some of those, and I mentioned secured credit cards and uh, there's some good ones out there. You do have to put a security deposit down, and the APR is kind of high. But, of course, you're not going to carry a balance, right, because, you know, you pay your bill on full and in time every month. Uh, some of them even have rewards. So th there are a couple of different options for you to look into when you're young. And now this is a, a sort of a general question that even I, I'll admit that mm -hmm. I have, but are there certain types of purchases that one should make with a credit card, either early on or just at any stage? I mean, do certain categories of purchase uh, impact credit differently besides the amount that you're spending? That's a really good question. Well, something just that comes to mind, my mind right away, and I'm not sure probably if you've seen this, is, I mean, if you have a rewards card that rewards certain kinds of purchases, you know, clearly try and use that to your benefit. So if you're getting 5% cash back only on travel purchases and use that card for travel purchases, I think that's definitely something to think about if you're in that sphere. And I don't know if probably there's anything to add there as well. Yeah, really good point, Susanna. Um, yeah, if you've got a rewards card, you know, know your rewards program. 
you know, um, and also credit card issuers have the right to change the rewards program at any time. So be sure that you're reading all the correspondence that you get from them so you know if anything has changed. You know, and I think what this comes down to really is picking the right credit card for yourself. You know, if you pick a card that has the kind of rewards that you're going to benefit from, uh, you know, you're, lot, you're going to save money that way. You're going to you know, actually profit from your card as long as you don't carry a balance. <laughs> So, Susanna, that was the, you gave us sort of the perfect segue into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is the perks, the incentives of these credit cards, whether it be cash back, uh, you know, points or even miles that you can get to, to fly. Obviously, the answer is, I, I was going to ask which is best, but the one that's best is based on your spending habits and what you want to do. However, I do want to ask uh, about the idea of sort of pay the fees around these rewards credit cards. Uh, a lot of people sort of, you know, they turn a blind eye to paying these $400 maybe yearly fees for a credit card because then they see all the perks that they get from it. Is it a, when is it a bad idea to spend sort of these, you know, these fees for these credit cards as opposed mm -hmm. to one that you can get without fees that is still going to have benefits, but it may not have quite as many benefits? You know, Antonio, um, you mentioned really the perfect thing to, to start out with here, and that's your lifestyle, Okay. As long as you're picking a, a rewards credit card that really taps into your spending patterns, you're going to make you're going to be able to save money. But if there's an annual fee, you're going to have to do some cost benefit analysis here. You're going to have to look at the cost of the card and kind of you know decide how much you're actually going to earn in rewards and is it going to cover the annual fee and then some. You don't want to just break even because there's probably a better card out there for you if that's how it goes. So you will want to be sure that if you do pay that fee, that the rewards are so generous and so perfect for you that, you know, it's just the cost of having that card and you're still benefiting. So, you know, it's, uh, you have to really look at your lifestyle. I, yeah, that's so true. And I, I totally agree with you, Beverly. And I also think like, don't let inertia impact you. So if this is an annual fee <laughs> and let's say you get a new job where all of a sudden you aren't traveling as much as you were, you you can cancel the card. I mean, definitely do the calculation. Is it worth paying $400 a year um, for benefits I'm not using anymore? So, you know, there's inertia and personal finance. It's easy to just set things and forget them, but really reevaluate <laughs> regularly about whether or not you should pay this fee next year or not. Yeah, that's a great point, you know, and it's like with debt, sometimes people just kind of like start ignoring this stuff. Uh, just one more point about the annual fees. Uh, many of the best cards waive it for the first year. Uh, there's nothing to stop you from calling your issuer and saying, can you waive it for the second year? I have had uh, people ha uh, that I've talked to have had some success with this. It's not real common, but it never hurts to ask as long as you've got excellent credit. And they're not going to say, oh, let's lower your credit limit. <laughs> okay, now if possible, I would like to run through some specific cards. If I could ask you guys for if I set a few sort of financial situations, uh, would you guys be able to suggest some specific cards that you like for that user? Uh, sure. Yeah, go ahead. So let's start. Uh, <laughs> let's start with the millennials. Let's start with okay. uh, millennials who maybe are have very manageable debt, uh, are looking to sort of maybe have a credit card already, but are looking to expand into the into the rewards cards, the perks or the travel cards, mm -hmm. uh, do you have any sort of card specifically that, that might work for that particular user? You know, for someone just starting out with rewards, 
Um, you know, again, they're going to have to do their check their lifestyle, their spending patterns. But if they're not a person that travels a lot, they're young, they're just getting used to rewards cards and have, managing their money. I would I would suggest something simple like the Chase Freedom or the Discovery at Cashback card. Uh, they'll be able to save on everyday expenses. You know, and as they move um, on up in their careers, perhaps they're traveling more. They might graduate to the Chase Sapphire Preferred. It just, you know, it's um, it depends on their lifestyle and what their needs are at that time as to how they can benefit from a credit card. But another one that I like for someone who's young is um, the Capital One Quicksilver card. Uh, Capital One has rewards that are just very straightforward. They're very simple. You get one and a half percent back on that, I believe, and. Uh, it's just very easy, um, and when you're just starting out, um, reward, some of the rewards programs are actually quite complicated. You know, uh, but Capital One keeps things easy. All right, now let's try some maybe uh, a, a parent with a few children, maybe somebody in their their late thirties who has some debt, so they're sort of looking for a card that's maybe a little bit safer, but they still want to get some rewards, mm -hmm. maybe some cash back or, or points. So, do you have any any specific card for that person in mind? You know, uh, American Express, like the Everyday Cash Card, uh, some of those that don't have annual fees might be a good fit. Uh, but again, I'm going really to the cashback rewards here. Uh, so many of them don't have uh, annual fees and, you know, pretty decent rewards. So somebody who's in debt, uh, if they're going to use a credit card, I would say something like that. Uh, but... I would also say don't use credit cards <laughs> if you're in debt. So I really have to stress that. Uh, and if you're in a situation where you need your credit card to pay for your groceries, you know, reach out for help to the National Foundation for Credit uh, Counseling. That's nfcc.org. Uh, and see if you can, you know, get some help with your budgeting or maybe refinancing a car loan, something like that. Uh, but, you know, when you've got debt, it's, you know, the best choice is to step away from the credit cards and just focus on that. Okay, and then the last, uh, the last sort of, you know, situation: a, a baby boomer, strong financial standing. <laughs> they're, you know, sort of now making some financial decisions that are about having fun and sort of near nearing retirement <laughs> and sort of, you know, taking care of, taking care of themselves for the first time in a long time. So, do you have uh -huh. any sort of suggestion for that? The the gold standard uh, card for that person. <laughs> Um, you know, I really like the Cash Sapphire Preferred card. And then there's the reserved version, which has a, a, a much higher annual fee. Uh, so I would recommend either of those cards. Um, you know, when you get above 400 450 for an annual fee, I, you know, I kind of cringe a little bit inside. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if someone has, you know, a lot of money, there, there are, you know, certainly credit cards, you know, that are very luxury-oriented Um but I would say just for your average baby boomer, Chase Sapphire Preferred, something like that, uh, maybe the American Express Platinum. You know, take a look at the rewards programs and see what you want to do. I mean, if you know, if you like the rewards for the Chase Sapphire Preferred, go with that. You know, a lot, a lot of these are flexible. And Capital One, they want to keep it simple. The Venture Rewards card is a good one. All right, those were excellent suggestions. And sort of as we uh, as we wrap things up, I'll ask each of you: Do you have uh, sort of a last tip for credit card users that they can put into practice today to, to better their financial situation? Antonio, I would say the most important thing, and I mentioned this early on, is to build that foundation for great credit. And this is something that you have to take with you throughout your entire credit life. You need to pay all of your bills on time. That's 35% of the FICO score is your payment history. It's super important. 
you want to have a budget and you want to track your spending. And there are so many free ways to have a budget and track your spending. You know, there's just really no excuse not to do this. Some of them are kind of fun, too. And you need to pick um, you know, money management tools that work for you, that you feel comfortable with. You know, for me, um, I like Mint.com because I like, I'm very visual. I like pie charts. You know, if I look at a, um, a bar chart and I see that, you know, I spent this much at Chili's that month, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, okay, <laughs> not going there for a while. <laughs> so that kind of thing keeps me on target, on track. So I do whatever you need to do because there's no one solution for everyone. That's great. Su- Susanna? Mine would be just don't ignore it. I think sometimes people think that if they throw their credit card in a drawer and ignore the balance and ignore the creditors who are calling them and the debt collectors, it'll somehow go away or somebody will forget that they owe this money. And unfortunately, that doesn't usually happen. So you have to figure out at some point a system to get your arms around your credit card debt. Do it sooner rather than later. The sooner you do it, the better off you'll be. So don't ignore it. Take steps to fix it. If you're in credit card debt, take steps to pay off your debt, um, and you will find yourself better off than if you had just pretended like it didn't exist. Susanna and Beverly, I want to thank you both for being on uh, and offering your wisdom and advice. A lot of helpful tips here. I appreciate it. I look forward to speaking with you again on upcoming episodes. Thank you. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. I enjoyed being here. And to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to our first show. Uh, Look out for updates about our next episodes and go to usnews.com slash money to read up on all of our best financial advice. Finally, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast. That really helps us grow and deliver our advice to as many people as possible. I'm Antonio Barbera. Thanks for listening to Wealth of Knowledge. See you next week.